Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day a little actually a lot so sign up now at chumbacasino.com that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus the following may contain offensive language adult humor and or content that some viewers may find offensive the views and opinions expressed by any one speaker does not explicitly or necessarily reflect or represent those of Mark Rattledge or W2M Network. Please listen with caution, or don't listen at all. TV party tonight! TV party tonight! Oh, we got nothing better to do than watch TV and have a couple of brews. Don't want to talk about anything else. We don't want to Good evening. You are listening to a Rattledge and Broadcasting Premier Podcast TV party tonight. I'm your host, your old pal Wheezy, Mr. Mark Rattledge, the mandated reporter, and frankly, I'm mortified. And tonight, our favorite show is still The Crown. Season 5, brought to you by the good people at Netflix. And I am joined by the Canadian heart attack machine, the anvil, the hitman. First, from what I just realized was Vancouver. He'd be on that California time. He he is my Pacific Coast bro, and I only mildly irritate his wife when I give him way too many podcasts in a week. David Wright, how do you do, sir? I'm doing fine, Mark. I mean, other than just having the end of the show spoiled for me this year. <laughs> okay. And down there is my Canadian brother from another mother. Uh, he's out there hunting the cocaine bears and putting the polar bears in prison. The ladies and gentlemen from the wilds of Calgary, it's Andrew Graham. How do you do, sir? I do well, Mark. Though I do have to point out, you used all the hitman references on the guy in, in uh, outside of Vancouver. And you missed those for the guy who's living in Calgary. Uh-huh. Correct. <laughs> That's me. I do Gentlemen, things I, backwards. Fair enough. I would like to just put this challenge out here tonight that now that we have this, uh, this whole warning kind of content warning before the podcast, I do want to see if we can actually break that during the review of a historical British costume drama. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Fun fact, uh, polar bears are just coke bears that have indulged way too much. This <laughs> is all over them. Like I got I got a little overindulgent with the cocaine. <laughs> like I was yeah. a black bear once. Like, once. Shit, man, my hair's turned white. <laughs> As I suggested, what we need to do is have the real life story of, of cocaine bear versus cocaine hippos. 
<laughs> I'm not I, kidding. I'm all for just letting go of this whole like intellectual conversation thing I've got going on on podcasts and just starting a whole new project where we get animals coked up and have them fight each other. I think that would make for more entertainment. What do you think? Welcome to our review of The Crown, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> we I was about to say, cocaine bear versus Optimus Primal on cocaine. Perfect. Perfect. I mean, if they get Michael Bay back to direct, then I think you'll get your wish. You know what's hysterical? So, I'm at, I, Monday, if anyone heard my talk with uh, Pat, first of all, I'm sorry. <laughs> I couldn't breathe Monday. But, you know, far be it for me to cancel a podcast because, you know, I can't breathe. Um, I've been fighting bronchitis since uh, over a week now. And um, and so I, Wednesday, I finally went to the doctor. Uh, my son had to go to the doctor. I went to the doctor. You know, we all we got fixed up. We got medication. I'm waiting for the meds to be filled. So like I go like, hey, Jonas, let's go get lunch. So we go to Applebee's and um, he's like, I want a burger. He proceeded to order like a quesadilla. Kids, right, Andrew? Um, <laughs> so. Of course, I have, I always have to get the waitress involved in things because I'm that guy. So while we were eating, the trailer for Cocaine Bear broke, like right then. Everything in the, my world stopped. I'm like, oh, Jonas, Cocaine Bear. He was like, dude, I'm like, bro. So we're, we're at the Applebee's and we're watching the trailer for Cocaine Bear. And he's like, this is amazing. This is what movies were meant for. And I'm like, I have taught you well. And the waitress is like looking at us. I'm like, no, you come here, come here. You gotta see this. <laughs> I did. This woman, first of all, I got her. You ever like accidentally trigger someone's life story? That's what happened with this waitress. Like, I just wanted to show her the silly cocaine bear trailer. She had to tell me her entire life story and every mental illness she had. But better than all of that, she had to tell me about the polar bear prison. Do you know about the polar bear prison? I don't know which one you're talking about specifically but i mean they're like people have to relocate bears all the time so there's like little polar bear jails all over the country yeah uh, we were we we're, we're not polar bear about, jails but bear jails i i want to say this this is uh, I, I put the link in the chat earlier today but she was telling me like there was like a whole thing she saw on polar bear jail and i was you know and she was like they're in they're like they're like in cages and i'm just like what is one of them like dragging a cup across the rails one of them is playing a harmonica there's one bear pushing a book cart you know <laughs> i went through the whole thing anyway polar bear jail please tell me you at least got three or four good shawshank references in there i was mostly doing oz stuff andrew okay. let me be me okay you do shawshank i do oz i was about to say one bear had to get busy living or get busy dying <laughs> you know what i always wanted as a bear anyway <laughs> the crown everybody yeah we <laughs> need to get those polar bears away from ice <laughs> <laughs> hashtag cubs in cages Oh my God! Uh, the Crown, everybody, season five. He just is anybody like, left? Thing I was talking about with uh, with offensive comments. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well done, Dave. Thank you. Six minutes. Um, Can we get a roll call in chat? How many people are still listening? <laughs> That's what I thought. Yep, <laughs> that one person is gone now. November 9th, twenty twenty two is when it dropped on Netflix. We've had a cast change. Uh, we've got Amilda Staunton, who came in as Queen Elizabeth. Uh, Jonathan Price, who took over as Philip. Leslie Manville, who took over as Margaret. Uh, Dominic West, good old McNulty. These are for you, McNulty. Uh, came in as Prince Charles. 
John Lee Miller is John Major. Can I tell you, Andrew, every scene where John, where where he was talking to the Queen, I did not know that was the Prime Minister. I thought he was an advisor. Like, <laughs> yeah. Though, as far as I understand, that's kind of the whole way that most British people remember John Major as well. It's <laughs> kind of a non-entity. <laughs> that's fantastic. Which is too bad because John Lee Miller is quite a good actor. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, it took me to the end of the series when he's talking about losing to Tony Blair. I'm like, oh, he's the prime minister? I'm like, shit, I had no idea. We've come a long way since John Lithgow as Winston Churchill, man. And you just hit like two octaves above what I've ever heard you use before. <laughs> Still struggling. Just be happy I'm here. Thanks. Hey, I, I'm, saying, I'm just wearing the, the Fight Rattledge Fight t-shirt under the sweater right now. So we're going back <laughs> in, in time here. Uh, much mean, let's not forget that you did podcast with a broken freaking jaw. <laughs> that's correct for several months, as a matter of fact. Um, yeah, I'm I'm on steroids now, man. I'm ready to fight. So you uh, and Connor? <laughs> huh? You and Connor? <laughs> yeah, me and Connor McGregor. Um, all right, and then we have Olivia Williams as Camilla Parker Bowles, um, Claudia Harrison as Anne, um, Natasha McElrone as Penny Natchbull, Marsha Warren as Queen Elizabeth. Uh, the Queen Mother, King George the Sixth Widow. And then finally, 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 Chris Bailey, Chris Bailey, Chris Bailey. We have Elizabeth Kabicki as Diana. Um, let me stay with you for a second, Andrew, and then I'll go over to you, uh, David, because I know that in private, you and I talked about this, and I kind of want to get it out there. Um, I was really excited. I like Dominic West as an actor. Um, I Obviously, I favor him because he's McNulty on the wire, and so I put him up on more of a pedestal maybe than some others. So when they brought him in as Charles, I was excited for it. I thought, okay, I think he's going to do a really good job here. I wasn't let down. Um, I think he gives a killer performance as Charles throughout the season. But you had some reservations, and I'm curious to see if the if you at the end of it that he let you down or that you were pleasantly surprised. For me, I think I was a little bit worried as soon as they they kind of announced his casting. Um, and I, I found his performance to be pretty good, but probably was on the lower end of, of this entire cast. Mm-hmm. And I think it comes down to kind of two things. One is straight up looks. I mean, Dominic West is a much better looking man than, than, than Charles is. I'm, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. your majesty, but it's true. And then the second thing is that in terms of mannerisms, Dominic West is, is very much a leading man. He is very charming. He's got a lot of charisma. He's got a lot of lot of expression. And I think when you look at Charles and when you look at his mannerisms, he's very even-faced. He's very even-tempered. There's generally not a... His expressions go from one to four and not one to ten. Okay. And, and I, I'd say in a lot of times he was he was moving a little bit too far from that. And I think even in a lot of cases, there were just scenes where he was standing up a little bit too straight. Like, I mean, in real life, Charles has a little bit of kind of a stooped posture and things like that. So I think a, some of those aspects were a little bit too much for him when you compare him to like, um, I think it was Josh O'Connor who played him last season. Okay. David, same to you. What did you think of um, Dominic West as Charles? I didn't really have any issues. I'm not really an avid royal watcher. I kind of pick up most things through osmosis, so I can't really get into the details of you know how how good a performance they did as that character. 
Okay. Um, I think for me, I, again, I know almost nothing about the Royals. Um, I, you know, as we've discussed at every season that we talk about the crown, I kind of learned from Andrew, like when we've had his wife on the show, I've kind of learned from her. Um, and so I tend to pepper them with more questions. For me, I'm watching this as purely entertainment because I, because you know, I don't know anything. And I thought that Dominic West's like the major thing he had to deal with was wrestle with agony, the agony of his marriage breaking up, the agony of continue this character in this drama feeling like he doesn't know what his place should be. You know, he has ideas, as we've talked about before, but nobody cares. He's, you know, they don't want. They don't want ideas from him. The people don't want ideas from him. They want him to, I don't know, stand there and look pretty. You know, this is all stuff we talked about before. And now he's not a uh, a young man. You know, now he's, you know, not, um, he, he's not this, uh, like, you know, man in his 20s or 30s. He's, he's much older. He doesn't live with this longer. And the weight, ha- you know, has to look like it's hurting his shoulders. So between the stuff with Diana and and him still struggling with his role in the monarchy and him wanting so bad to modernize things and just being met with resistance everywhere he turns and still even the disappointment that he has with his father, um, you know, disappointing his father at every turn. I think Dominic West did a really, really good job. And we'll go one more around the horn with this and then we'll move on. I think Dominic West did a good job, whether he looked the part or not, of portraying that on screen. I really, I was there with him through those struggles. We'll talk a little bit more about this when we talk about Charles and Diana themselves, but I actually felt very sympathetic towards Charles. And part of the reason why is because of his portrayal on screen of that character. He drew sympathy from me by his performance, Andrew. And I would agree with that. I think I think in terms of of portraying, and maybe I was latching on a little bit too much to like the simulacrum of mm-hmm. of portraying this particular figure. But I think in terms of his performance and the journey he took you on, and and things like that, I would definitely agree with you that I think he got that across. Mm-hmm. Um, David, I don't, I don't, you don't have to comment on that further if you're just like, ugh, I, I have nothing more to add to this. Um, so if you do, that's great, add to it. But otherwise. <clears throat> what do you think of Amelda Staunton as Queen Elizabeth? Um, I have a hard time not seeing the Harry Potter villain when I look at her. Um, yeah, or, or her character in Downton Abbey. <laughs> yeah, that too. I mean, that, that's the thing about British actors; they're kind of in so many things that uh, mm-hmm. you kind of just see all, all the characters. It's like it wasn't wasn't Prince Philip, but like you know, Fourteenth Doctor in in the first season. Comment section telling me I got the wrong Doctor number, but sorry, guys. I don't think he was ever a Doctor. Matt Smith? Oh, no, Matt Smith was, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's Wasn't sort of he like the doctor? Yes, the doctor. Of many of the doctors. But anyway, I, I digress. Um, but yeah, I mean, as usual, talking about the show, big disclaimer, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about like the characters presented in the show, not the actual real life people on which they were based. So just put that in front of everything I say from here on out. Um, but yeah, I think you did a pretty good job of like when, when there, there were some good moments this season where Charles got to actually be somewhat sympathetic. Uh, 
I, I think they, they still have a like th- th- this show does not like Charles doesn't like him at all but there was at least sort of one episode for one moment where you kind of got like yeah go, you go Charles where the rest of the time I found it was mostly yeah him and Diana which we'll get to when we talk about him and Diana but uh, he, even sort of the way he talks to the other members of the royal family about his positions like oh I have all these ideas and I have a voice it's like no your job is not to have a voice your job is to play the role and keep the empire or keep the the nation together that's the job and that's sort of him rubbing up against that and he does kind of come off as somewhat uh selfish during those times uh, i don't know i go I ahead, would... andrew but i i just i don't know if i agree that the show hates him I, I i think i agreed with that in the last couple of seasons i don't i don't know if i agree with it this season go ahead andrew I would kind of uh, mark. I'm with you on that one. I think I think it's much more sympathetic to Charles in this season. Yeah, I think, and I mean, I think some of those some of those um, some of those threads were really laid down in the last couple of seasons with with where he was in terms of of the position he was stuck in and, and things like that. And I, I mean, I think this is also kind of a hard discussion to have without necessarily getting into the whole him and Diana thing because I think the show also markedly changed how they portrayed diana in some ways and i yeah think we're gonna get of, there we're gonna get there yeah but oh. let, let's keep on cast yeah so i asked david i asked you about the queen um what okay you yeah sorry about get, about yeah, the queen? Uh, actually yeah when, when i first found out uh, the actress i thought well, how this how is this gonna work uh you know not to say she's a bad actress she's a very good mm-hmm. actress but uh, again like can can i divorce her from the other roles i've seen her in and see her right. as the queen and uh but like uh i think pretty much past the first episode she she basically did slip into the role quite a bit and i thought she did a pretty good job of showing uh, portraying queen elizabeth in this sort of era of her life i think imelda stoughton does a great job standing there and looking like she's not going to blow up (coughs) sorry yeah i think my problem is and i'll pitch this over to you andrew my big problem with and i want to stay on cast and performance uh but it's hard to without talking a little bit about character. Mm-hmm. We're in season five of this show called The Crown, and so much of it is about the about this Queen Elizabeth story. She was so young; she was she saw so much. Um, but this now feels less about her. Yeah, this is this, yeah. This is mm-hmm. now becoming the Charles Diana show, and mm-hmm. she's like a background player in her own story. Yeah, this is the um, least Queen Elizabeth yeah. we've gotten in this show. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I think Emilda Staunton did a great job of not being particularly interesting. I would, I would, I don't know if I'd agree with that last line. <laughs> I think she did a really good job in terms of both. I think in terms of getting across one, the characterism, because the kind of the character, because I mean, this is also it was, and I'll, I'll talk a little bit about this. So I think, you know, watching this with my wife, you know, the two things that she was bringing up was one. Um, yeah, she was having a hard time divorcing her from whatever the name of that character is in Harry Potter. Not so much yeah. the, the character in, in that, because she's a huge Harry Potter fan. I'm not. I'd say the other thing was that also, and this was brought up, this is the queen, basically, all three of us know. Like, mm-hmm. this is the one mm-hmm. that we would have seen the most on TV. Right. This is the one that we, that, that we were the most familiar with. And obviously, it's a little different having, obviously, just having the actual Queen Elizabeth pass this year. So, it's it's a little bit different in terms of I, I think there's a little bit of you know outside outside influence creeping in here, but I think she does a great job of portraying um, 
you know, kind of the character from just kind of a, a, an imitation point of view. I think she did, you know, a great job of showing that she is still a resilient and steadfast, but also battered monarch. Mm-hmm. Like she's had to deal with so much. I mean, you know, we get into to Annalise Horribilis where she talks about all the stuff she went through in that year and, and just the constant disasters. Right. But, you know, I agree. I, I agree with you from a structural point of view that this definitely was much more the Charles and Diana show. And I think, I think that's probably a criticism of this season. And then there's a couple of things I maybe would have changed the structure of, and maybe we can talk about that a little bit later, but, but let's keep on cast for right now. Um, two, two more, and then we'll move on to actual themes and stuff that actually went on in the season. Elizabeth Debicki, I, you know, there's been a lot of people playing Diana as of late. You had Kristen Stewart in that nonsense that we reviewed last year. Um, that, you know, may may have given people active aneurysms. <coughs> um, there was uh, there was uh, some woman that played in like a, a Diana the musical that got aired on Netflix. Um, there's been a couple of different portrayals of Diana in the Apparently last couple that was of years. Awful beyond belief. Oh, Diana the musical. My yeah. friend Elizabeth and I re-reviewed that. I remember like there were a few like Jason Teasley likes to joke about. <clears throat> you made me watch this thing and it hurt our friendship. My wife actually was like, I'm not sure if I want to be married to you anymore after Diana the Musical. It was that bad. <laughs> Make that the tagline, Diana the Musical. By the end of this musical, <laughs> you'll want a divorce. <laughs> right. The musical that's causing divorces, Diana the Musical. <clears throat> when Charles and Diana's marriage ends, so will yours. <laughs> Mark, put that on the on whenever you distribute that on any social media. Put that as a done. Big line. Well, my job here is done. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Plugs. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> um, I thought Elizabeth Debicki played a really. Like, I don't know Diana's mannerisms. I've only seen you know I only know what I've seen on television. You know, seen the movies and whatnot. Um, but Elizabeth Debicki. I think, without knowing anything else, just kind of watching her performance. There's a lot of breathiness. There's a lot of doing things with the head. I mean, she's. I think she's giving good physical and verbal performance. I don't think there's anything about this that's, you know, I'm just reading lines. I think Elizabeth Debicki <coughs> studied her mannerisms. I think there was great direction there. And I really think that even without knowing Diana, maybe so that I'm speaking from a place of ignorance, but it feels like she got lost in the character and I got lost in her performance. Like I never once questioned. I I looked at Amilda Staunton and I knew I was watching Amilda Staunton playing the queen. I would watch um, uh, Dominic West as Charles. And I knew I was watching McNulty and I kept wanting to go. These are for you, McNulty. Um, I very much knew I was watching Dominic West play Charles. Like, he does a good job, but I know that's still Dominic West. I forgot that's Elizabeth Debicki. That's how good I think she is, Andrew. She, I mean, she was really good in this season. I mean, again, we got to talk about kind of the ways they've, they've written the character. But, I mean, and again, going to the fact that this is this is a Diana that all of us know very well because this, this was 
and a lot of what happens here is stuff that ends up in any royal documentary about her, like the mm. the um, the Martin Bashir interview, the mannerisms there. I mean, she's got it dead on, and she she plays this really kind of finely balanced, at the same time a more worldly character, but at the same time, and, and this one I'll credit to my wife because she's she's all over royals TikTok. Also somebody who's a 37 year, 35, 36, 37 year old woman who's also still incredibly immature as well. Like she, she kind of has got some of those mannerisms down and, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. But yeah, great performance by her. What do you think, uh, David? Uh, yeah, I again, I, I too, I'm, I'm not all up on uh, the events of Diana. I mean, it, it's funny, as Andrew mentioned, like this is sort of the era that you know, me and him were growing up in and this is sort of the royals that we were happening at the same time. You know, like I remember Tony Blair being prime minister of England, like that was an event that happened in our yeah. lifetime. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, I wasn't really a big, I remember, I remember yeah. when Tony met George, Yeah, uh, there okay. was Fox news alerts. <laughs> I was going to save this until the end of the end of the, the podcast, but I'm going to throw it out there. So season six, we're last season, we're going to get into like 2000, into the 2000s. We're going to deal with nine 11. We're going to deal with the Iraq war. So I have two questions. Will George show up and who's going to play him? Oh, they got to have George in there. Um, I don't know. Who who, uh, who played George in W? Uh, Josh Brolin. <coughs> Maybe. All right, David, you were talking about Diana and Elizabeth. Uh, yeah. So as for the performance, uh, like I would say, like, yeah, like it, it wasn't deadpan and it wasn't like I'm acting. It was, it felt, it felt pretty natural. And that's yeah. kind of all you can really ask for in a performance is like, I believe this character is this character. All right. Before we move on to talking directly about Charles and Diana, because we've beat around that bush enough. You wanted to talk about Leslie Manville. Sorry, me? Yeah, Margaret. You, you, yes. Oh, no, I want you. to talk about Margaret, the character. Oh, okay. I thought yeah, you wanted Margaret. to talk about Leslie Manville as, as her. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll kind of talk about that as well. I mean, I think, uh, and maybe I'll, I'll also get in one of the other character I wanted to talk about, which was Jonathan. Maybe I'll talk about Jonathan Price first, but I think Jonathan Price as Philip this season was absolutely fantastic. Um, I, I, think, I like Philip more and more every season. I really yes. do. And it, it's weird because I really liked for three and seasons three and four Tobias Menzies as an actor, mm -hmm. but I found his version of Philip a little too stiff. Mm -hmm. And I found his performance almost a little too, it was almost like he was forcing the words out at times. And he's not generally that kind of actor. Jonathan mm -hmm. Price's Philip feels much more one more in line with what I think a lot of people have heard of, of what, what Philip is like this kind of, again, very charming, very energetic guy, even getting into his eighties and nineties. But also he feels like a much more direct continuation of Matt Smith's portrayal as well. The other, well, the other side of it is, this portrayal of Philip feels like your grandfather who stopped giving a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <coughs> he's just going to say whatever he's, he's first of all, he's tired of all of you. He doesn't care anymore. <laughs> <coughs> and he is just going to say whatever, like there are moments and, you know, credit to Jonathan price for being able to project this where he's just fucking over Charles. He's over Charles. He's over England. He's over all of it. He's like, we were joking about space bulls. He's just kind of looking around going, how many assholes we got in this kingdom? Yo. Like, <laughs> yo. Yo. <laughs> no. 
And Jonathan Price does a great job of that. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, David. Uh, yeah, Philip in this season, again, much like Elizabeth is, he takes a bit more of a backseat to the Charles Diana thing. But uh, yeah, there's not too much drama surrounding Philip. It's more mm-hmm. we get sort of the payoff of him being this supportive of Elizabeth for this amount of time. There's kind of a couple of really good moments where where he just gets to stand up for her and everyone's like, yeah, when did he start doing this? And Elizabeth just goes, he, he always did this. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he may not have wanted to be with her, but he wasn't going to let anyone else abuse her. Yeah, well, he yeah he, he wanted to be with her. It was just more the issues of like being not oh, a king, no. but there married were, to a queen. There were times in the, that first one or two seasons where he was like, I'm done with all of this. And they were like, you kind of can't be your, your prince, Philip. He's like, eh. Yeah, but he seems to have found found his place and made it work. Yeah. And and yeah, like I think most of his arc is kind of done, so it's kind of nice that he's just kind of there, just yeah. living his life. I do feel, and I mean, this has been kind of a criticism of this season, is that probably compared to a lot of the other ones, there's a lot more creative liberties taken <laughs> with history. And, um, you know, a, a big part of this, uh, this season is talking about his relationship with Penny Natchbull and things like mm-hmm. that. And she was definitely a part of their lives. She was one of only 30 people who were allowed into St. George's Chapel for his own memorial service and things like that when, when he died in 2021. But I think the, the writers definitely took some liberties with what the nature of that relationship was and how close they actually were. All right. Let's no more beating around the bush. No more cast yep. talk. Let's talk. Themes and happenings. Charles and Diana. This is the long, slow descent of their of their marriage um in the previous season previous two seasons really i mean what the story of charles and diana is charles didn't want to be with diana in the first place it seemed seemingly he wanted to be with uh parker bowles and they were like well that's not the one for you <laughs> there's things have to be done a certain way charles and charles is like Ugh, if i have to hear things have to be done a certain way one more time i'm gonna plot um but you know but he marries the right woman at his mother's behest and the right woman, you know, it's so funny because Charles and Diana, I got to watch how I say this because I've been known to be a bit negative and snarky lately. But I feel like the Charles and Diana marriage is a lot of marriages where like one feels like they're trying. They, 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 they are God's honest truth. They are trying to make the other one happy, but they feel like the other one constantly moves the bar and they can never... They like the bar is set here. They try to get over it, and the bar moves on them. They're like, I, tr- but I'm trying, and it's so frustrating. And then you just get sick of it after a while, and you get sick of the person moving the bar on you, and you're just like, I don't even know why I'm doing any of this. And the other person who's like, Nope, I set a clear expectation for what should be done here. You're not even putting in the effort, you're not even trying. And I kind of resent you for it because. You're making my life harder than it has to be. Boy, is that just not Charles and Diana? That's a lot of people. And I felt like <clears throat> where they are now, where he's, you know, they're they're both kind of just done with this marriage. She's over trying. He's over her immaturity. He's over her the perception, at least, of the lack of effort. And he's over being denied the true love that he really wants. And he's just like, when do I ever get to be happy Charles? 
And she's over here going, why is it that I can't make you happy? Like, why, why do you move the target on me so much that I can never make you happy? And this is just their dynamic going round and around and around until finally, <clears throat> until it finally just blows up and they're done. Um, that was my first impressions of the, of how they are presented this season. I'll go to David first this time. What do you think, David? Uh, yeah, like, uh, I I agree. They didn't really show much of. Charles and Diana actually trying to make the marriage work. Uh, we kind of have to dip into the previous season mm -hmm. to sort of get into the meat of that. But it was always sort of presented right. as Diana's trying, but Charles is just like, nope, I want Camilla. No, I'm not interested in Diana. It's Camilla, Camilla, Camilla. Nothing but Camilla. And to, to a degree, I can respect that, except he he did marry Diana. This Diana wasn't forced upon him. He met her, he's like, oh, she, she seems kind of nice. I think I'll ask her out. And, I think uh, in, I, well, no, I think in fairness, he was also like, Hey Diana, I need you to be XYZ. And she's like not doing that. And he's I think for Charles, like he tries to put Camilla out of his mind. And then Diana, like for example, just a very small example, it's from the previous season. Yeah. <clears throat> she does the dance for him, and she's like, Isn't this wonderful? I dance for you. And he's like, No, you're fucking humiliating. Yeah, like, it was ghastly, I believe he said. Yeah, because I think she danced to like Uptown Girl and Yeah, yeah. Charles at that point, he he would that was not his kind of music. He was all like into the classics. Well, I think there's also a, a certain degree there where, um, and, and there's probably more Alicia's take mm -hmm. than mine. So I got to give credit where credit's due. Um, is that as we're trading this series, Charles is always being upstage and he couldn't stand to be with somebody who would continue to upstage him. Yeah. Like in the previous season, there was uh, when they were on one of their tours and they had like a really good day. And you even had like Charles turn down a call from Camilla sort of signifying that, you know, he was moving closer to Diana. Then the next day he sees all the newspapers and it's just, you know, Diana, the people's princess. And it's like, damn it, they're supposed to be talking about me. I'm the future king of England. Me, 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 me. And then he just runs straight back to Camilla. And, you know, that that's that's that. He, he comes off, he, he, even again in this season, is a bit petty in that way. In that, you know, I'm the future king of England. That's the only thing that's important about me. And that's what should everyone should be thinking about. And... You know that—that's all that matters. Can you not suck all the life and in, in, in all the air out of the room, Diana? Just fucking once. Can you not be the center of attention? She's like, I'm just here existing. Yeah, that's kind of how Diana is portrayed. Like, I don't—I yeah. don't know if there was it. She was trying or anything, but it was just like, yeah, like yeah. she just seemed to be. She was a very natural, yeah, naturally popular person. Like, she just know, yeah. knew how she to has. act in public to get people on her side. Whereas Charles, like, even if even when like I I, I listened to like interviews with him like when they did like a royal tour of canada he is just so boorish <laughs> uh, he, he is just like you know wallpaper <laughs> he, he's as exciting as wallpaper whereas diana comes is very warm and caring and like you know mm -hmm. it's like i'm sorry dude but just you're not that interesting of a person he toes the line and it, it's weird yeah. because on some level he's he's pushing against the institution he's a part of but he's also the perfect um the perfect representation of that institution. Yeah. Because yeah. he comes off as and, and there's nothing no more opinion, no identity, anything like that. I think right. And there's nothing mm -hmm. more frustrating than feel like you're doing the right thing all the time. Mm -hmm. And the person yeah. doing all the wrong things gets all the attention and all the praise. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like I'm with Charles. That's fucking maddening. There's a there's a great line from from the West Wing talking about vice presidents. And I think um it was the vice president who said that it's like my only job at this point is to have a pulse. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's kind of where Charles is. His job is to have a pulse. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the the only other thing I would mention is there was one line again in the previous season where uh, Elizabeth talks to Anne about Charles and Diana, sort of you know like what's your take on their marriage, and she says you know all things considered they they gave it their best, like they they tried <laughs> to make it work but it didn't, and it would have been nice if we had been shown a bit more of that because it pretty much came off as. Like right, right since the wedding ended, it was just all Charles is like, nope, Diana, I do not care at all about you. I just want to be with Camilla all the time. And I, I think the show comes off as very, Charles is always being the selfish, childish, and unreasonable one. And then here's poor, radiant Diana, the people's princess. You know, she was you know uh, deceived into this loveless marriage and she's suffering due to Charles' selfishness and lack of attention. And and these are the and her actions are just the actions of someone lashing out, begging for help and not getting it by this cruel, cruel system that she's been trapped in, the beautiful, innocent, wonderful flower that she is. Uh, now, yeah, before think... you before you you rebut me on that, which yeah. let me okay. let me rebut myself is she does come off as a lot more vindictive in this season. Like, you know, she, yeah. she is there yeah. to twist the knife in the back of the Royal family. And it is presented as in like, you know, I've, I've done everything else. Like when she meets mm-hmm. with Elizabeth, Elizabeth's like, you know, why didn't you ask for help? It's like, I did. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. But, you know, I even get, again, in the previous season, she she tries to get a hug from Elizabeth. And Elizabeth just stands there with her arms, like, glued to her sides, just, like, you know, awkwardly <laughs> get looking around the room. It's like, this is a hug. What do I do? It's like, you, you know, and, and yeah. just sort of like she's, with the exception of maybe Philip, she gets, she's, she doesn't seem to be getting any, any, any help from anywhere, not even anyone saying, I understand this sucks. And it's just sort of like, you know, if I have to go on national TV and just air out all the crap that I've had to deal with the past 16 years, if that's what it takes to make people finally realize, Hey, I am suffering here. I have tried to kill myself on more than one occasion because of this marriage, then, you know, that's what I got to do. But she, she does come off as a bit kind of going a bit too over the defense, a bit too overly dramatic about how horrible things are. And, and you do kind of get that moment again when she talks to Elizabeth to, to warn her about, or to give her the heads up about the interview being released. Yeah, and Which Elizabeth, she didn't actually do. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's a, that's an, that, that is an interesting change. Uh, you, yeah. you can talk more about that in, in a minute if you don't mind. Yeah. There's also uh, a line that they didn't include in this season that I'll, I'll say in a second. That okay. Yeah. But, but yeah, you, you have, you have a, Diana saying like, I, you know, I tried to, to talk to you, but you were never available. I was like, well, I'm very busy. Like, we're so busy in this family that nobody has time to think about themselves, let alone anyone else. It's not that you know, we don't care about you and we don't want you to be happy. That's all we want. We want you to be happy. And we want you to be queen. And it's just, you know, we've, we've got 50 things to do every day and we're either doing them or we're too tired to do much else. So, you know, like, 
I'm sorry. And you kind of get that moment in Diana where she sort of realizes maybe, maybe I've kind of thought too negatively of the family. Doesn't mean she still doesn't have the same problems, but that kind of, there's kind of, maybe you, you got this impression that you're seeing like, maybe there were some things in that interview that I shouldn't have said in retrospect about the family. <laughs> you know, Charles and my relationship. Yes. But you know, the rest of the Royals. Okay. Maybe I misjudged what was going on. And I thought there was ill will when really there, there wasn't. Right. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's kind of most of my big points with Charles and Diana this season. Yeah, and maybe I'll, I'll, I'll kind of pick up on the whole discussion around Diana, and I think, I think Dave, you nailed it. But, I mean, I think in this season you very much see it going from Diana kind of unintentionally stealing the spotlight to her much more intentionally stealing the spotlight, even prior to the breakup of the marriage, and then starting to, to kind of needle there as well and, you know, use that as a little bit of a tool. And um, as I said, one thing that apparently did not – that they portrayed in this season happening, which did not – Diana did not warn anybody about the interview. It, it hit them completely out of left field. Um, and there, there was one line I have heard. I don't know if this was said or not, but apparently this was said by Diana to Philip at some point during a rather contentious time. But Diana made a point of saying to, to him at one point that I am from an older and nobler house than yours. <laughs> which is that is a Maggie Smith now down Abbey, like sick burn of sick burns in mm-hmm. British society. Yeah. She, she threw the, she threw the glove down there. Yeah. But it, you know, getting into that performance of is Elizabeth, the Becky, correct? Yeah. I mean, that's really where she's going on this. It, we've gone from somebody who's very naive and very broken to somebody who's, who's more world weary, still immature but is definitely kind of taking more control over her own destiny for better or for worse. And, you know, when you, when you look at it, I mean, you know, a lot of when we talk about pr- people's princess stuff, that was very much in retrospect of what happened to her in, in 97 and things like that. And, uh, and that narrative around what Diana actually was has definitely shifted back and forth. But I think, this season, I think, was probably more realistic around her. I think they were still also being charitable in places. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my takeaway, again, I don't think the show hates Charles as much as <coughs> it used to. I yeah, actually, think I'll, it, I'll agree on that. I actually think it feels a lot of sympathy towards him because, as I was listening to David and thinking back about the show, you have Charles who has this thing inside of him. That, you know, he he wants to let it out. He has so much he wants to say and so much he wants to do. He has so much about Diana he wants to say. <clears throat> Here's this woman who has driven him nuts for like 20 years or whatever it was. 15. 15. And you, you know as being part of the monarchy that you can't say things publicly. You have to conduct yourself a certain way. You have to comport yourself a certain way. And he's being a good boy and he's doing those things and he's being met with this woman who isn't obeying the rules and she's fucking up and she's going on she's doing like hour-long interviews airing dirty laundry and he's like i do everything right and i'm the asshole she does everything wrong and she's the sympathetic <coughs> damsel in distress and I think the show did a really good job of, no, no, hang on. 
let's get let's cut Charles some slack here. Look at what he had to deal with and how he had to, you know, comport himself versus Diana, who's throwing public tantrums and is kind of a giant asshole. Like, I don't think the show was, I don't think this season's show was sympathetic towards her. I think it showed her to be kind of vapid at times. And um, I think it showed her to be impetuous, um, self-centered. That line the queen says to her, I think nails it dead, dead to rights. We are all too busy to worry about how, whether or not we're going to fuck you. Paraphrasing. But <laughs> very much so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, she, the, the queen did not say that. But it's like, we're, we're all too busy to worry about what, what we're going to do to you. We're not, no one's thinking about you. No one. You have this like ego the size of a planet, lady. If you think we're all wondering what the fuck you're doing. And and like it's a great scene. It's an anatomy of a scene. It's a great scene because Elizabeth Debicki's Diana is just like, oof. Oh, I, uh, 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 <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, the one that got me and, and Mark, I think this this kind of goes to to some of the ways they've changed her portrayal. But when she's in the doctor, in with her friend, mm. waiting to find out what's going on with her husband, and she's literally like making comments on on checking out the doctor. The yeah, she's, she's time. Getting, yeah, she's like, thirsty. She's at the doctor. Him, like, like that was kind of a that was it was not a good look on her, right? So yeah. I think I think they took some good swings at Diana this season. Yeah, oh yeah, I think it was much more <laughs> it was much more realistic about what it was, and I mean, it was much more sympathetic to Charles in a lot of places. Like I think. I mean, I think you know there are no there are no white hats or black hats when it comes to those right. two. They're I think, both was, I think this is the most even handed since Charles and Diana have been in the show. I think this is the most even handed they've been they've been portrayed. Yeah, and I mean, I'll say kind of maybe just to cap this off, but I mean, I thought the episode where they actually finalized things and and really kind of oh, you beat me to it. Where she makes where she so makes damn him the, good. Where she makes him the eggs. That's the well, yeah, they make an omelet together. Yeah. Yeah, I think the whole structure of them going through the other divorce cases throughout the day and then eventually having that, that was that was one of the, that was the second best use of a cold open in this entire show. And can the I, other one I'll talk about too. Can I tell you you're both married guys and I'm not calling anybody out. You don't have, you know, I we all know I had a shitty year this year. Um in terms of, you know, marriage or whatever. I can I tell you every time I heard one of those stories, I wanted to jump through my screen and just punch the woman. Like the woman, the, the 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 setup where the woman's like, he's never home, and the guy's like, I gotta fucking work, man. <laughs> like mm-hmm. this house is this that you and the kids live in. I I gotta work to pay for it. Well, we were just like, if you were around more, and how do we make money then? Like that whole thing, I was like, oh, dude, I'm so on your side. You know, and there was so many of those where I was like, man. Those like couple, you know, what was the other like the black and white couple? Yeah, I remember like there was another one where where I can't remember what that setup was because the other one really hit me hard about the the husband who like works and is like getting shit on for working and his family leaves him because he's working. Um, it was about but, kids on that one. That one that one was very specific and maybe I'll mm-hmm. jump in on this one. But that one was the whole thing about them divorcing about wanting to have kids and it was funny because the, the black and white them, couple. Yes. Okay. Alicia and I took took a marriage prep course um, before we got married, and and they actually were very smart about talking about what are your goals in life and mm-hmm. everything like that. So I mean, I think we actually actually had to draw a picture, which I'm sorry for everyone in that class, you had to see me draw. 
but you know, like, like we put on, like, we wanted to have kids. We wanted to have this. And like the number of people who were engaged in doing a marriage prep course who never had the basic conversation of, do you want to have kids? Right. Like that is, yeah. that is a, that is a conversation you have and you, you, determine the path on before you walk down that aisle or if you want to have kids when do you want to have kids because yeah or too early in the marriage can really mess things up um but that line that he gives her something is like 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 you don't know how to be a wife or something like that i don't know there was there was something that he said that was like really biting and it was something about like maybe you don't know what it is to be in a marriage either and i was like oh that that one hurts that's that's a punch in the gut um, I don't remember what the line is though, but I remember hearing it and like, eek. yeah, those, all of those like stories. I really like that episode for that reason. Yeah. Um, all of them resonated with me personally in one way, shape, or form. Um, it was, it, it, but it also made that really hard to watch. It was like, yeah, I, I mean, could that hear was... some of my, some of myself in that. Mm-hmm. Some of the, some of the stuff I've gone through, some of the stuff I've heard from other people, not just me. But those were all. I think I think any guy that's been married on some level. Could identify with at least one one or all of those stories. You know what I mean? <clears throat> and then, you know, and so you get to Charles and Diana. And just to, to wrap this up, we can move this on. First of all, I really love the, the sitting and eating the eggs. Yep. And, you know, and mm-hmm. as far as like, again, anatomy of a scene, them, you know, coming closer and bonding and then breaking out again. And then at, by the end of it, Charles was like, fuck you and these eggs. It's like, all right, that's 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 drama, man. That's what I watch the show for. I mean, it's um, good old, you know, how do you, how do you tell insanity is the same, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. Um, but uh, I think a lot of, I think if you take away the monarchy, if you take away the crown, you know, and you just look at Diana and Charles's people. I think a lot of people, I think a lot of married couples see, could see, could, could see themselves in Charles and Diana. I don't think their story is abnormal at all. I think, I think a lot of people can identify with one or both of those people and what they went through and why they split. Um, I, I I didn't really I didn't know any of it. So for me, I was like, wow, this is like a deeply resonant story with me. This is going to stay with me for a while. Um, I don't know if you guys wanted to comment on that any further, or we'll move on to the last thing that we said we were going to talk about. Uh, one thing I'll kind of just interject in here, uh, mm-hmm. which sort of I think will tie into uh, the next point is, uh, you know, because because in this show, there's a lot of like pretty much all of Elizabeth's kids marriages break up in, in this season. And you sort of see like Elizabeth just dumbfounded by all of this. But you see in a lot of these cases, like in, 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 in a lot of these cases, especially when, like when we get into Margaret and Charles, these are marriages that Elizabeth tampered with. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like, like they they conspired. Uh, it was more man, man, Mountbatten, I think, to to get Camilla married off to another man right. so that she would be unavailable to Charles. Because I, I forget exactly what the issue was with Camilla at the time, but I can't remember. Well, the right woman for the job. Yeah, but yeah, there's some some sort of religious moral justification mm-hmm. for why she would be a bad match for. For Charles, and again, you have Margaret. You know, she couldn't marry the man she loved, who came back as I think Timothy Dalton this yeah this yeah. season. And again, because you know he was divorced, and oh, you know, you can't marry a divorced person. And it's like even after Charles and Diana gets divorced, and you know the, the Queen finally like writes them the letters. I think you should get a divorce. You know, are you happy, Charles? You happy now, bitch? <laughs> happy now, uh, bitch. Yeah, that, that was for you, Mark. Uh, you know, and and Charles goes on a 
on a holiday with Camilla and you know he and Elizabeth's like you're still continuing your affair with Camilla. It's like what affair? I'm you know I'm not married. No, but you're divorced and your ex-wife is still alive. And it's like <laughs> what what do you want? <laughs> right. You're crying out loud, mom. I made my wife's life a living hell for 16 years because I wanted to be with Camilla. She has permanent mental health problems. You know, I just let me be with the woman I want to be with for, for crying out loud. Yeah, it's like if you but, don't feel any sympathy towards Charles, you might be a robot. Yeah. But we do kind of see how sort of like those sort of values that Elizabeth had, because it sort of a, it, it is implied in the show that she is a very religious person. Mm-hmm. And she just has that sort of classical view on, you know, you, you don't divorce. You you make your marriage work no matter what. And we even saw that in, I think it was first season with her and Philip when he was fooling around and she just gets him in a room, sits him down. It's like, all right. What do you need to make this work? Yeah. How do we do this? And and you know then and, and they were able to get that out. And you even have you know Margaret often throws it in Elizabeth's face. You got to marry the man you wanted to marry, and your parents were not okay with you marrying Philip. But you just you held out and you made up enough noise until you got him. You have not given any other person in your life that same deal. And look 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 what's happened. You know, Anne's marriage fell apart. Uh, Andrew's marriage fell apart. But then again, we're talking Andrew here, so yeah, <laughs> yeah. Credit to the actor they got no to play. Him. That was one creepy guy. But uh, but yeah, and and again, <laughs> with, you see again with Charles and Diana. So you know, Elizabeth is sort of having to deal with the chickens coming home to roost in this season for for sort of those decisions. Uh, last thing I want to talk about before we close out for the night, um, and then Andrew, if tack on your thing. Actually, can is... I jump in on this one right now? Oh, yeah, yeah sure. go, ahead, go ahead. Because Dave kind of touched on it, and I'll just pick up on it. But um, actually, with uh, Annis Herilibus, uh, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. I'm sorry, all exit remaining Latin speakers. But the whole storyline as part of that episode around Margaret reconnecting with Townsend and then having her follow-up conversation with, with, Mar- with um, Elizabeth is among my favorite stuff in this series. Because I think that was such a, when you go back to, and maybe this is because I wasn't really familiar with this story, but when you go back to the season one and you talk about how much of that season was made up around the relationship between Elizabeth and Margaret about Townsend and about all of that, and then kind of bringing this back to kind of close that story off, I thought was absolutely brilliant. I think, I think Amela Staunton did a great job in there. There, I think, um, Leslie Manville, the whole season did a great job playing uh, playing Margaret, and I think she excelled in that episode. And, and I thought it was it was you know really just very well done. I mean, there's there's an argument to be made that that you know you can end this series in 2002 when Margaret dies because she's that much of a character in it. So um, yeah, I just wanted to point that one out as, as being a significantly kind of excellent piece of work in this entire series. The modernization um, uh, <clears throat> of the monarchy, I think there's a big theme of this season. You know, it's the, it's the 2000s, and you have Charles being this voice of change, reconciliation, revolution. Um, there's an internal question in the country. Do we or don't we monarchy? What, you know, what monarchy? What is it good for? Absolutely nothing. Um, it's funny, Dave and I talked about this a little bit on the Downton Abbey on trial that we did earlier in the year, and I cut that out as a TikTok, and it was one of my more popular TikToks, because apparently, like, the question of, do we or don't we monarchy, you know, there are people just like, no, 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 this is the thing we should keep around, 
Like people are very invested in this and they were very invested in our conversation about it. And I, we got a lot of compliments because that conversation was very much pro no, keep it. You know, it, it serves the purpose of unifying the people behind something. Um, you know, it's, it's a flag essentially. It, it is yeah, a living flag. flag. Right. Um, and people were like, yeah, that's exactly why. And, 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 and that's the way we likes it. So, you know, so there's that. And then, you know, you have the voice of the queen and the voice of Philip to a lesser extent, like tradition. We have to keep things a certain way. It's been this way all along. It should be this way forever. And they're at loggerheads. Um, and so I thought the show did a good job of, you know, we talk about this with other TV parties that a show takes a perspective and sometimes it's a real hard line perspective. It is one thing. This is how that show feels about this thing. You want you to feel that way too. And it is very much trying to get you on their side. And Robert and I have talked about, that's not really the most maybe effective use of television, you know, as a tool for lobbying, mm -hmm. um, a more better way of doing it is the way the show, the show did it this season, which is here's Charles's argument. Here's the queen's argument. Here's the people kind of in conflict with itself. You as the viewer deal with that as you will, but that's all the pieces. We're not really taking a side here. We're trying to give everybody equal say. And I, and I thought that came across really, really well. <clears throat> and as a sort of a thematic symbolic um, way of portraying it, the very last episode deals with decommissioning the Royal yacht. Mm -hmm. And on the one hand, it's like the argument basically is this thing costs a lot of money. Um, it doesn't really serve any purpose anymore. It's the 2000s. We don't need to be fucking sailing you people. You take planes like normal people where you want to go. But tradition, it's both been with us for, you know, since the age of exploration, Columbus sailed on it. You know, like, why, why are we giving this? Why are we giving away our traditions, you know, to build a car park? Is that he is what one said. So I just, I just thought they did a really good job of putting that out there and letting you as the viewer sort of think about it and be like, well, we, you know, what, what, what I think about this, do we think about this? You know, that sort of thing. Um, so what's your take, Andrew? I mean, I think that's, that's also been kind of the overall, one of the overall kind of arcing themes of the entire series. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, even from, from minute one, it was talking about the modern modernization of the monarchy. And, you know, when you think about it at that time, when you think about it, you know, as, as her becoming queen at 26, you think of, you know, of course, this is an opportunity to, to, you know, become more modern. And now we're 40 years on. And what does that start to look like? Now, again, commenting on some of this, there's a little bit of, of liberties they took with this, though. The whole first episode with the, the poll and the newspaper and things like that never happened. So they kind of use it as a, a bit of a dramatic <laughs> one. I do like the entire conversation around... Um, you know, talking about using kind of the yacht as a little bit of a, a metaphor for the monarchy. This is when they were having a lot of conversations, including during, um, you know, talking about Windsor Castle and how much does, does the royal family start to pay? Because they're both, it's unique because they're both tremendously taxpayer, uh, taxpayer funded, but they also have an enormous amount of personal wealth that would, even if, if they were removed as heads of state tomorrow would still have. Mm -hmm. There's a whole question around that. And I mean, obviously, you know, perceptions. And I mean, I think there's also in this season, you're talking a lot around a lot about the world around them and how it shifted. So things like, um, you know, 
the tell-all books, the interviews, the tapped phone lines. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of wondering next season if they're going to deal with some of Harry's shenanigans when he was a little bit younger, particularly the the Vegas and the armband and stuff like that. Yeah. One thing thing I will say, I think they've somewhat dropped off, and I think it's kind of a specter that comes up with the monarchy in real life, and they definitely addressed it in the early seasons, is that they've kind of pulled back on how much play the staff has Mm -hmm. because you definitely kind of got the sense that on some level, the staff kind of pushed the queen one direction or another quite often. That gets brought up. That that gets brought up. I think Charles says it or somebody, somebody says it during the season where it's just like her advisors definitely didn't always advise her in the best way they advised yeah. her in a certain way yep and, and that literally happened this week mm-hmm. there was somebody who was basically an honorary part of staff who basically said some rather insensitive things to a guest at a party and was publicly fired this week <laughs> and also okay. fired in a way that no and and they fired her before they actually apologized to the person who she whom she had offended so it's like um it's like okay fine, they have a communication staff, but the communication staff doesn't actually quite know how to deal with this stuff in the real world. I think when I was talking to my wife about it, the, the whole comment was that the staff may be as hereditary as the uh, as the <laughs> residents at this point. Nice. So David, some of your thoughts here on how they handled this internal debate about what does the monarchy do next? Yeah, well, I think as I've, I mentioned every time we do one of these podcasts on The Crown is that the show seems to focus a lot more on just how the crown, this system, this institution sort of warps the lives of the people trapped within it. How, yeah. you know, this family would have probably been like a perfectly happy, normal fam, happy, happy, normal family, you know, as uh, if, if they weren't royals, you know, they could marry yeah. who they wanted to marry. They didn't have to like represent like the absolute perfect virtuous lives for all the nation to follow. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I, and, and it just kind of shows that, you know, like sometimes being royalty sucks. Like, you no, know, even if you have all this wealth and fame and not so much power in the case of the, or direct power, at least in the case of the British monarchy, but, uh, you know, there is, there is a price to be paid for, for all this stuff. And uh, it's, it's quite a high one in some ways. And like with, in terms of the, the, yacht, the Royal yacht, like, I think uh, it really stood out to me at, in, I think it was in the first episode of the season where Elizabeth is, you know, asking the prime minister to foot the bill to, to, you know, uh, do the re- refit of the yacht. And he's like, Oh, you know, can't we, can't we, you know, spend a bit of Royal money on it? She's like, look, I'm the queen. Everything in my life I have inherited from someone else. Someone else made these things. The only thing in my life that I ever had any say in that has my name on it is this yacht. I've done everything this country has asked of me without any complaint in the hopes that someday I might make one request and no people would do it without question. And that's kind of interesting in that we've, that's sort of one of Elizabeth's sort of two moments of selfishness. The other being Anna's horrible is like, I'm going to do this speech my way and I don't give a damn what anyone else thinks about it. Well, I think up, the, the irony of, of that is it, it gives the, <laughs> I'm going to have a moment of selfishness, please. And fix my yacht. And they're like, no, yeah, well, I think he, he does go around with well well initially they did pick <coughs> up the yacht but uh yeah when so so that was kind of interesting just that mm-hmm. sort of idea of like yes she has all this stuff but also all of it's inherited yeah you know, she doesn't have the experience of sort of building something 
on her own or having something to pass down that was sort of her contribution to to the family in, in that sort of a material sense, which is, you know, it's kind of an interesting way of looking at things or an interesting perspective on things. Yeah. You know, whereas we're all sitting out here it's like, screw you, you don't need a boat. Right. You're rich. You know, we're not paying for it. Um, so it, it is kind of interesting how like, you do have this sort of warping of the sort of personal and family dynamic because of just the situation they're in. And then, yeah. And then it becomes more thematic towards the end where, yeah, the boat, the, the yacht is going to be decommissioned. And I even thought it was interesting how you had Blair gets to ride on. He's like, Oh, I actually feel, you know, kind of bad about it now. And I'm having second thoughts. And then Charles says, Oh no, it's old. Get rid of it. I'm all about progress. And he's just, you know, like Charles, just like, you know, unbeknownst probably just like, you know, mom, here's the one thing you treasure. Yoink. You know, I'm, um, but yeah, and, uh, this season it kind of like ends on a bit of a downer where you just sort of have Elizabeth just touring the yacht and kind of just looking at herself in the, in the mirror and just sort of feeling old and useless. Like everything's falling apart. It, it's kind of like the number one downer season so far, which is kind of interesting. Whereas, you know, how different things are in, uh, 2022 where people spent over 12 hours waiting in line to sort of say their goodbyes mm -hmm. to her. It's a, I think it's a very reflective season in that sense. So, mm -hmm. um, and, Andrew, anything else that you want to talk about? Because I'm kind of out of talking points at this point. Um, I think I have to call out probably two, two or three things really quick. Mm -hmm. um, a couple of quick moments I just loved, and one of them was actually from the last season, and that was just one of those standby um, kind of cliches at this point, where you have Charles on the plane, and he's in business class, and then I think the... Um, the some of the government guys are, are flying first class and he's literally doing the thing where he's looking around the corner trying to see what they're doing and then the stewardess comes over and closes the curtain mm -hmm. how often does that happen in a movie at this point i just kind of <laughs> love that um okay. i have to i have to call out just the some some of the production staff decided to wake up and choose violence when they did, decided to do the cold open for the uh apimatev house episode Oh my like, god, yeah. That was one of the most goddamn brutal juxtapositions I have ever seen. Mm -hmm. Alicia left the room because <laughs> she could not watch that. And I watched it and it's like, you're glad you didn't watch that because that was brutal. <laughs> that was rough, man. That's a that is right up there with uh what Band of Brothers. You know, I, that um, was worse than Band of Brothers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that that might give the Pacific a run in a few cases, but we'll we'll get to that when we get to the Pacific. Um, mm -hmm. The other thing I'm probably going to talk about a little bit is maybe a little bit structurally here on this whole season and where it ended, because I kind of debate, um, like they had the entire episode of Moomoo where they talked about Muhammad Al-Fayed and, and mm -hmm. Dodi Al-Fayed, which I think was interting. I thought you really liked that episode. Yeah, it was really interesting. And, and there's some neat stuff. And I had no idea they were in, involved with Chariots of Fire, but yeah, yeah. I was, I was watching that scene. It's like, oh, it's like they're ripping off Chariots of Fire here. And then it zooms back. It's like, oh, they're filming Chariots of Fire. <laughs> but it's, it, well, I mean, and there's other interesting stuff. Like, for example, apparently, um, Muhammad Al Fed's first wife, uh, Dodi's mother, was mm -hmm. actually an aunt to Jamal Khashoggi, who was that that Washington Post reporter who was murdered by the, the Saudis in the uh, Turkish embassy. But anyway, um, for that one, I feel it's weird because I feel like we're going to we're ending the series basically in about July 1997. And Diana dies in August of 97. So that's obviously going to happen in next season, the last season, 
we're going to spend at least two episodes on that. From like a grand structural point of view, it would have made sense to maybe not have Mumu as an episode, do a little bit shorter, kind of work in some biographical points before that, end this season on Diana's passing and just totally wrap that up so you can kind of move forward a little bit more freely into season six. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have to see what season six does, but I just, I feel like we're still going to be talking about Diana for two more, two or three more episodes, at least in season six. Yeah. David, anything else? Uh, I think I kind of got all of my thoughts out, but yeah, we'll, we'll see where they go with the, the, the next season. And I, I can kind of understand them wanting to push Diana's death to the next season. Cause they want to focus more on the, the end of the marriage. Yeah. thematically more but uh also yeah, I mean, I don't know, know, maybe Diana's, Diana's uh, death is probably going to be like a series finale kind of a thing well they did a whole movie on it oh yeah. no they're gonna they're gonna apparently that one's gonna be like first episode oh really okay yeah. well either way yeah but they could certainly like extend the show if they wanted to i don't think there's any hard rule that says you know you yeah. can't you can't do another couple of seasons though i i do kind of think that the dangers of kind of getting a bit too current events like sort of ending with elizabeth's death would be you know, we're, we're still living this history and still sorting out what exactly is going on. Yeah. Like, I think it's kind of a bit too soon to really start dramatizing they, current they events. Said, they said six seasons, you know, these eras of the Queen's life. I'm good with it ending next season. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm fine with it. So that brings me to the question then. Where are they going to end? And I think there's I think there, there's three ways they could go with it. I think they go... And maybe I'll go most recently. They go Passing with the Queen passing of Philip or kind of get this weird feeling, maybe Will and Kate's marriage. I was going to go Will and Kate's marriage, to be honest with you. Cause I think maybe that's the way, that's the way you end it. And then mm -hmm. you also bypass having to get into Harry and Megan, which is not flattering to the, to them right now. And ironically, they're actually going to be doing a six part docuseries on them on Netflix mm -hmm. next year. So yeah, big big conflict of interest there, and yeah, mm -hmm. I, I don't think the dust has settled in uh, that part not of the all. story yet. So I think, yeah, like I said, it's it's too soon to tell that story because we're not exactly sure what the real story is right. going to be at this point. All right, well, that then wraps up our review of The Crown season five. I continue to enjoy this show. I continue to enjoy talking about it. So <clears throat> um, Monday, Alexis is going to be hosting a review of Andor. It's the best Star Wars show no one watched. So we'll uh, we'll see how I, that goes. Uh, yeah, I, I have I have I have thoughts that I need to to get out there, but we'll uh, we'll save that for the it, show. It was bloody fantastic. Hey, listen, the drinker likes it. That's all I care about. Uh, but the drinker did like. Wow, it, so I didn't I mean, know Robert joined us. <laughs> let me tell you the history of why everything is bad. No, um, speaking of which, uh, Tuesday I will be back on game. I missed Daniel Hollywood this week because of illness and because of um the projector failed and i couldn't see half the movie so i was not on strange world but i you know zachary strobel alexis Haina, and robert had it well in hand i think they talked almost two hours so i'm sure it's a good mm -hmm. show i haven't listened to it yet but i'll be back this tuesday for violent night with david harbour and then on thursday we have our second episode of the whiskey rebellion uh we're gonna talk christmas stuff i haven't decided what kind of christmas stuff yet but it's december i gotta do something christmasy and then for all you polyamorous men out there, I have some personal advice for you that I'm going to share. And we'll do that on that show. Uh, some of my experiences from this year. And the reason why is because I've actually had two or three different guys like reach out to me. Um, they were like, hey, I heard you've been doing this in a while, for a while. You got any advice for me? And I'm like, yeah, don't do it. No, um, um, 
<laughs> if you're going to do it, though, here, here's some mistakes that I've made that maybe you shouldn't do. And here's some things I could have done better. So, um, we're gonna, and Jeff apparently is ethically non-monogamous, so he'll have opinions, I'm sure. Opinions that'll make me have to put up yet another disclaimer. But that's why we bring Jeff on. Uh, so that'll be fun. And then Jesse will have a segment of his own. So that's the Whiskey Rebellion. Um, this past week, uh, we did a we the history of boxing came back, and when I when I could breathe, um, we talked about Andrew Galata versus Riddick Bow, the great dick punch of 1996. <laughs> For the record, so, I'm literally going on and adding that to my my queue right now. Okay, it's a good it's a good show when I don't have to talk um, and have to try to find breath to talk. All right, so that's it. That's here. That's the Rattleton Broadcasting Network. Uh, David, you're going to be on the Andor show, right? Yep. And then you're going to be on Avatar, yes? Yes. Is I that believe all that's everything. I think that's yeah. me. everything for me for the rest of the year, unless something pops up to my surprise. And then, Andrew, you're out until Generation Kill. Is that right? Yes. And that's, uh, yeah, January 19th. So, yeah, we're wrapping up The Wire this month. And then <coughs> <coughs> before Treme, we, there's, there's one season of Generation Kill from the corner to the deuce. And J Andrew's. That's just my Jesse, my and Jesse's thing that Andrew's gonna, you know, gonna insert himself into and make it a throttle. So um. <laughs> he had to make it weird, Mark. He had to make it weird. Though yeah, at least say, the the number of, of bad jokes along that line in, in Generation <laughs> Kill will will just be that podcast. You're gonna have to like triple the triple the uh, the uh, warning on that one. Perfect. That's what I that's what I like to do. Triple things. So, all right. So, Andrew, will be, <laughs> so yes, Andrew will be joining us to talk Generation Kill uh, in January. So, that's it. That's all for me. Thanks. I'm driving for the great Canadian brothers, Andrew Graham and David Wright. I'm Mark Rattledge. Be well, be safe, and behave.